Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. It's The List and your boy with Jimmy Van and Sean Ross Sapp. With Jimmy and Sean, sell pills for your dumb. Make a fantastic song. Make a fantastic song. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp, managing editor at FightfulWrestling.com. Fightful.com, it's The List and your boy, June 26th. We are inching closer to live, Jimmy. Look how tan I am this week, Sean. I look, I, I'm dark. I need to turn on another light. Yeah, turn on a light. There we go. We got new new white light in here. We got rid of the shitty tracking lights up above. We got these new ones. And man, I'm not a ghost this week. And but the, what happened, Jimmy? Did you get intimidated by my tan in Vegas? And you were like, I got to go hit... Got to go hit the sun. Got to get some rays. Uh, it's way more simplistic. What it's called is how do I keep the kids busy for an afternoon? That's a good point. That's a and good point. The answer was pool and playground. So that's basically how it happened. <laughs> so we're doing this on June 26th. I want to I mention a couple things before we get into the news, and then we can get talking about Vincent Man being a senile old man. But first, uh, I want to tell the Bret Hart story because people might find it interesting. So I got a buddy that's into uh, memorabilia dealing. I posted this story on Fightful Select this week. So Bret Hart was in uh, Canada. Well, he's always in Canada. He was in Ontario. <laughs> he was in Ontario a couple weeks ago for a charity event that Tommy Dreamer promoted in Kingston, Ontario, uh, called Chinlock for Charity. It was a Legends Convention slash wrestling show. Uh, and he had Bret Hart, Mark Henry was there, Tully Blanchard and Arn Anderson were there, Jimmy Hart, Tugboat, I think, was there. Plus, they had a bunch of uh, local wrestlers like Cody Diener was there and Tyson Dukes and some other guys. Uh, I found out that Bret Hart, you want to talk about easy money, Sean? So oh, gosh, yeah. Bret Hart gets flown into Toronto. He had a, a limo chauffeuring him to the show in Kingston, and that's about a three-hour drive from Toronto. Before they, they go to that, they went to a city called Mississauga, or as Sean liked to call it, Mississauga, Ontario, which is about 30 minutes. Oh, my God. That's just so, <laughs> so different. Yeah. It's about 30-minute drive the other way. 
And try to picture this, Sean. 30-minute drive. So, so Brayhart drives in the back of this limo to Mississauga. Swings he rides. In, swings into, sorry, rides. Swings into some parking lot somewhere. He gets hit up with like 208x10s, signs to 208x10s, gets paid $12 U.S. each. So he walked out of there with like $2,400 cash. He's and going then, to Sapphires for sure. <laughs> uh, maybe not in, in Mississauga. <laughs> maybe not in Mississauga. But uh, you talk uh, about easy money, and he probably knocked those out in 10, 15 minutes maybe. And yeah. then $2,400 U.S., and then off to the show in Kingston. Not bad. I heard that story, and I thought, i got to share that one because that, that's pretty good, I thought. you know. So. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was cool. That was up on Select this week. Lots of news up there on Cass, Undertaker. Subscribe to Fightful Select, guys. It's the most direct way uh, to support what we do. And next week, Jimmy, your Q&A returns. Yeah, I reminded you about it today. I said I would do one a quarter, and next week marks another quarter, so I told him I'll do one on Select. And one other thing I want to mention, and this is a little bit of old news, but I, ha I just happened to catch it. So Viceland had that series of wrestler documentaries, like the one of Bruiser Brody and the Von Erichs yeah. and whatnot. The last one they had was on the fabulous Moolah. And I had heard from Sean a while back about how in that documentary they quoted us from the list on your boy in that documentary. But I just never got around to watching it. And last weekend I found some time and I watched it. I want to talk about the Wendy Richter spider lady story for a second. <laughs> because yeah. with all due respect to Wendy Richter, I just don't believe her. L little behind on this one. By the way, guys, if you want to see my reviews of Dark Side of the Ring, I posted those, I don't know, about three years ago when they aired <laughs> on Fightful Select. Yeah, three years Wh ago. Where are our royalties? Ah, right, right. Well, the reason I want to bring this up, so anybody that doesn't remember that time period, because we're talking 1985, Wendy Richter was the hottest female performer in the business at that time. The WWF was doing the Rock and Wrestling Connection thing. Wendy Richter was being uh, paired with Cyndi Lauper as her manager, and she was paired a lot with Hulk Hogan, too. And Hulk Hogan was obviously the predominant male performer. She was the top female performer. Uh, as legend would have it, she wanted more money. Uh, she wanted to be pay paid what she thought was more fair. Vincent Mann apparently was trying to lock her down in a long-term contract, and they were at odds over that. And so in October of 1985, they called this the original screw job, Sean. But I question it. But anyway, uh, in October of 1985, Wendy Richter defended her title against, it was supposed to be the Spider Lady. Uh, and the Spider Lady was a master wrestler, typically portray portrayed by Penny Mitchell. Uh, and Wendy Richter had wrestled Penny Mitchell before, which is why I kind of, it's a head-scratcher for me. On that particular yeah. night, the fabulous mule, as people probably heard, donned the mask, uh, pinned Wendy Richter, and everybody suggests that she had to like use real, you know, real holes in order to pin her. Pinned her. Wendy Richter, you know, jumped her afterwards, pulled the mask off in the ring, and then uh, Wendy Richter never wrestled for WWE again after that. In the Viceland documentary, Wendy Richter was asked about that, and she was adamant she did not know that was uh, the fabulous mula. I call bullshit, Sean. I got to tell you. I gotta tell I, you, I find it hard to believe that she didn't know it was Moolah. I mean, I yeah, I fully believe she got screwed over. It's very yes. clear yes. in the video, but I think I what mean, happened. So I was gonna say, I, th I I think one of two things happened. Either there was a falling out, maybe afterwards about money, and she left. Uh, maybe they were gonna make it into a into a, a storyline where she was screwed by Moolah. When you look at Penny Mitchell, and I and I've I've watched a couple of Spider Lady matches with Penny Mitchell. When you look at her and you look at Moolah. They're not the same person. They're no. not. Mula no. was and shorter. Mula was more, how do I put it kindly, Sean? Heavier. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, they're not the same person, and I don't understand how she would have thought that that wasn't the Fabulous Moolah, who trained her, by the way. Yeah, and uh, I said this in the review, which I think it's a very good review, guys. Check it out on Select. I think this one singular move, Jimmy, is why the women's revolution didn't happen for another three decades. Moolah and WWF literally sent women's wrestling back 30 years with one move, one thing. Because look at, I mean, a lot of people don't realize it. Look at who was around within the, the following years. On AWA Super Clash 3, Medusa's on that show. Mm -hmm. Ivory is on that show. Luna Vachon is on that show. Uh, I mean, even Bambi, who still trains wrestlers for, for WOW, there were some really good women's wrestlers or personalities that were around during that era. And I think that uh, they really, really could have had something special going on there. Uh, I mean, Wendy Richter was even on Super Clash 3. There were a lot of names emerging around that period that I think – and hey, go back and watch the Jumping Bomb Angels oh, win yeah. the women's tag titles. The crowd went nuts Oh, yeah, it. they did. They're very good. And, and obviously Sherry Martell came around uh, in 86. She was exactly. She was excellent. And also Velvet McIntyre. I don't know if you remember her. I do. She, okay, so she was a barefoot wrestler, and she was really good with aerial moves, drop kicks, and things like that. They did have a lot of really good talent in the business at that time. I don't necessarily blame Moolah. Moolah was, did what she was told to do. I, I blame Moolah for setting uh, back women's wrestling 30 years I for any number do. of reasons. Yeah. I know you do. But, but, uh, I mean, and, hey, not, not even to deal with the controversy, but the way that she trained wrestlers. It was garbage. Rockin' Robin was around, too. Love of God. I forgot about that. Uh, and then with the, with their incorporation of Japanese talent into the mid nineties, mm -hmm. Bull Nakano, mm -hmm. are you kidding me? Aja Kong, mm -hmm. like uh, it, was, it was man. I mean, even Jacqueline was around in the early nineties. She just wasn't picked up until later on. But yeah, there we are. Let's move on to the uh, the topic of the week, I guess. So it was last week, Sean, that WWE on television had a couple of two out of three falls matches. And we talked on this show when you talked in your uh, WWE review shows about they really seemed out of place. Why did they do these two out of three falls matches, especially the one on Raw last week? You had the New Day on one side. The other side was Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, and Baron Corbin. Baron Corbin had nothing to do with the New Day. Matter of fact, he lost prior to challenging for the Universal title. That's another story. But we, we were questioning, why are they doing that? Usually you do a match like that for some kind of a feud. And this was a throwaway match. Uh, turned out, we found out later in the week, Vince Man had a meeting at TV that day. You want to go ahead and share what, uh, what was said in that meeting? He is determined that there is not to be wrestling during commercials. Now, at first, I mistook this, and I thought, no more commercial during matches? Cool, that's, that's probably a good idea. I don't hate that idea. Because, I mean, it's, it's redundant to see Kevin Owens rolls on as Raw continues. But now, now that, that's not the case. It's there just won't be wrestling during these matches. Now that doesn't extend to the picture-in-picture picture of uh, SmackDown. So uh, that that is at least one saving grace, but it didn't help because we've had four two out of three falls matches and a couple of elimination matches along the way, and then any number of match restarting as if they can't get creative enough to just cut entrances or do entrances and then. Go to commercial. It's so frustrating. Now, did you hear why he doesn't want to have uh, wrestling during commercial breaks? This is this was reported by several outlets. Did you hear the reason why? Uh, because real sports wouldn't do that. Because real sports wouldn't do that. 
And I heard about that, and I have so many feelings, Sean. And I don't even know how to kind of get them all in order. Uh, so the first thing I want to say is, uh, first off, WWE is not simulated basketball. Yeah. WWE is not simulated hockey. It is simulated combat sports. Combat sports do not take breaks in the action for a commercial. All right? What they do in combat sports is they have rounds. I'm not suggesting WWE have rounds because that would be stupid, but they don't do plays or they don't do breaks in the action for a commercial in combat sports. So that's number one. Number two, in real sports, Sean, they don't take breaks for commercial. What they yeah. do is what they do is they wait for a break and then they put the commercial in, right? So that, that's something else that's very different. Another thing about this is if you look back in the 80s and 90s, it was commonplace for them to have to inject commercials into the action. As a matter of fact, if you look back in the 80s, they had 90 minutes on NBC every month with Saturday Night's main event. They always did lengthy matches at that time. They always had to find ways to inject commercials into the show. Granted, it was taped. Maybe that made it easier. But they always had to do it, and they always did it without getting repetitive with the same shit, right? So yeah. th this week when I saw on SmackDown two best, two, two out of three of all matches within a span of about 40 minutes, uh, and I just saw that thinking, it's going to get repetitive like you just said. And then the other thing they Already. did is, yeah, and the other thing they did a lot of is they did one-on-one -on -one matches, like you said, where there was a quick finish, then there was a schmoz, then a commercial break because other guys ran out, then after the commercial break, it's suddenly a tag team match with those same people. They did that repeatedly on television this week. And a lot of people are kind of joking about it, saying it's okay because this is Vince McMahon. He's going to forget about it in two weeks, right? Members of the New Day between last Monday's Raw and this Tuesday's SmackDown competed in, I think, 14 falls on TV. Between two out of three falls and elimination and all that, 14 falls over, I think, five shows? Right. That's absurd. Yeah. I mean, I, I understand, you know, I... I I hate being negative all the time about WWE. You can't help it because the product is crap. But yeah. I, hate, I hate being negative all the time about them. I understand Vince Man's mentality as far as WWE is a television entity now, right? And mm -hmm. so commercial time is more important now than it was 20 years ago, you know, arguably. I understand that. But this is so repetitive what they're doing, and, and it's, it's going to get annoying really, really quickly. It's only been two weeks, and already, like you said, we've had four Best two out of three falls matches in two weeks. That's incredible if you think about it, Sean. At this rate, another month, we might be at 10 best two or three falls matches on WWE television. They've got to find more creative ways to do this. They have to. I don't know what's wrong with doing what they used to always do. You just have a guy peel out and then you go to commercial. Or maybe you go to commercial on a rest hold. Or maybe you slot things properly so you can get a solid 10-minute match in between commercials. You know yeah, what I mean? there, there are like, any number of ways to do it yes. that don't involve this dumb stuff like AJ Styles going outside the ring and saying, hey, even though we haven't started this match, you guys are going to leave and we're going to restart this match. Right. What? <laughs> yes. How does he even have the power to do that? Oh, we could talk about that all day long. Yeah, Shane McMahon changing the rules on Raw, but then on SmackDown, the referee changes the rule and Shane's looking at him puzzled. You know what I mean? We could talk about that, but that, that's that, that's just more creative problems. But I was watching uh, Raw on Monday when Alexa beat Naomi in about two minutes. And I was thinking to myself, man, that was quick. But then, of course, they just did the run-in commercial break tag team match after the break. And it was obvious, knowing that the meeting had happened, it was obvious why they did it. And uh, yeah. I don't know, man. So, you know, 
going back to Vista Man again, I hate being repetitive, Sean, but we have to sometimes. Um, popularity is down in the company. And yeah. not only is it down in terms of ratings, it's down in terms of live attendance. Stopping grounds on Sunday, uh, they had to paper the building. Uh, I read a lot of stories, but they had two-for-one ticket sales. They had ticket giveaways all over the local media. Attendance was crap. They curtained off a lot of the building. Raw on Monday night, they had less than 4,000 people in attendance. And they curtained off almost an entire side of the building. Smackdown, they curtained off a lot of the areas too. There is a correlation between creative and popularity. That's logical, right? And I'm telling you, man, I, I'd be very concerned if I was Triple H. I'm sure he is. I'd be very concerned if I was Triple H because they're in a bad way right now. They're, I don't know if they've been at, at this level since the early to mid-90s, Sean, in terms of yeah. popularity. You know? Yeah, it's... And we were talking about like a year ago. It felt like that popularity was exploding from a from a casual perspective. It seemed like it with a lot of the attention they were getting and stuff. They have nobody to blame but themselves. Wrestling is is exploding. I mean, the the independents are popular. AEW is crushing it. New Japan's doing well. Ring of Honor, I guess it's a bit of a question mark right now. And Impact Wrestling, forget about. But uh, wrestling is is popular. WWE is what's losing popularity. And, and something else, and I don't know if we've talked about this before, uh, I think it's Dave Bautista that did an interview talking about a conversation he had with Chris Jericho. And in the conversation, uh, they said, no talent is going to get to a level of a John Cena under this management because they're not allowed the freedom. They're not allowed the flexibility. They're too handcuffed in everything that they have to do. They have to regurgitate promos. Uh, and John Moxley confirmed that when he talked about the fight he had every Monday not wanting to do what he was told, having Vincent Mann tell the writers to tell Dean Ambrose, write, uh, re do it as it's scripted, basically. And under those circumstances, no one's going to be able to get over to that level. And when you look at the talent roster, right, Becky Lynch is not what she was in January. She's not. Seth Rollins is not what he was at WrestleMania, and it's because of the Baron Corbin thing with him. With Becky, she's been handled pretty horribly since, since the Rumble. Kofi Kingston, who had a chance, he was never going to be the guy, he had a chance, loses the second fall to Dolph Ziggler on SmackDown this week in a best two or three falls match. It's arguable that our truth is the most over guy right now next to Shane McMahon, Sean. And that's for, yeah. a, that's for a comedy title. It's just blown up. I wrote that column about it and 20 segments over a month hitting a million on YouTube. That's unbelievable. Those are numbers at a consistency in which nobody gets and... The thing is, R-Truth ain't the only person in these segments. Now one that's being titled Drake Maverick wants 24-7 title shot. A million. Uh, Matt Hardy chilling in the parking lot waiting on R-Truth. A million. This is amazing. Like Titus O'Neil going under the ring or Elias going under the ring, whatever it is. A million. This is an, uh, an amazing success. And, yeah, I've had people say, ah, well, it makes R-Truth look stupid. Come on. I mean, Come that, on. that's his character. It's a character. And it's Fictional been that way. Characters. Yeah, and it's yes. been that way for a long time. So that nothing, he's, nothing he, has changed. And he played it very well. If he wasn't a WWE Hall of Famer before, this run has solidified him as a Hall of Famer. The guy is has had a great 2019. He was U.S. champion, too, yep. at one point. Yep. So, I mean, had, a, had an excellent year. One mixed match challenge last year, of course. The most important tournament in wrestling history. 
mixed match challenge that I, I watched religiously and cared about <laughs> immensely. Yeah, yeah, um, and you didn't crap all over it. You didn't shit. Didn't can crap it. all over. That it. never happened. Now the one thing I will say about our truth, uh, uh, the YouTube videos are doing well, but unfortunately that's not going to draw ticket buyers. And and so the WWE really is in a bad way. Let me ask you this question. So we know that WWE is more hungry to sign talent than they have been arguably ever, right? Yeah. We know this, and we've heard all these stories about guys they've offered new contracts to and whatnot. Roman Reigns has got stroke shot. He does, yeah. right? Do you think that Roman Reigns has it in him to ignore what he's told and go out and do it his way? Do you think he's got that in him? Because let me tell know. you, let me tell you something. Even though Dean Ambrose slash John Moxley, you know, credit to him because he fought tooth and nail. I don't want to have to do that, and I don't want to have to say that. At the end of the day, he did it because the boss told him to do it, right? What if Dean Ambrose had decided, you know, fuck you, I'll tell you to your face I'm going to do it your way, but then I'm going to go on live TV and I'm going to do it my own way. Would he have gotten fired for that? I don't think so, Sean. Yeah, they, they fire Roman Reigns. What would Roman Reigns have to do to get fired? That's a good game it, to it play. All, it almost reminds me of Costanza when he wanted to get fired from the Yankees. Roman Reigns you know goes I mean? out into the freeway right now, takes a shit in the middle of the street. <laughs> Does he get fired? Because I don't think so. I think they they just, they just can't afford to lose him for anything. And that's why if I'm Roman Reigns, and I just don't know if he's got it in him, but if I'm Roman Reigns and if I have a good idea and if they're telling me you're going to do this garbage in a promo, I would just go out and do it my own way. Keep in mind, Rampage Jackson at one point went on a literal rampage throughout the streets, like running into cars and stuff, and didn't get fired from the UFC. And he is not as valuable as Roman Reigns is the WWE right now. You remember what he CM was valuable, but not as valuable. Do you remember what CM Punk used to say? What's that? He used to say it's easier to ask for forgiveness than to ask for permission. Yeah, hey, I've, I've implemented that a few times on my own. Yeah, more so. times than you probably should. But if I was... <laughs> If I was a guy like Roman Reigns, if I was Seth Rollins, because Seth Rollins is, is right now buried in crap, he's going to give Baron Corbin his third title challenge uh, after he was unsuccessful in the first two. I would probably take liberties if I was one of those guys, Sean. I would. I mean, there's a reason that Brock Lesnar has Paul Heyman as his mouthpiece, right? Yeah, it frustrates me when I see like Drew McIntyre go out there and say, oh, well, these people that are complaining didn't work hard enough. And I'm like, pardon me, uh, Dean Ambrose pitched a ton of ideas and said as much. Right. He worked a schedule at one point that no other wrestler in WWE history had ever worked. Right. I think he, he set the record, I think, for most matches competed in over a period. I have to go look. Don't quote me on that. And he, and Drew McIntyre saying, like, everything that I, I say isn't exactly on script. Well, not everybody else has that luxury. No, and I, I don't think he's steering too far off script anyway, Sean. Yeah, I, I would agree. Script. Now, I guess we'll talk about this now. I was going to talk about it later, but we're kind of on this topic. So Seth Rollins, uh, when you talked about how Drew McIntyre complained everybody's working hard, blah, 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 blah. Seth Rollins made the news this week, I think, in, a, in kind of a negative light. On June 22nd, he posted this on Twitter. Brady, do you have that first thing that Seth Rollins posted on Twitter? Uh, he said, best pro wrestling on the planet, period. And that, yeah. was in, that was in response to WWE promoting stomping grounds. Now, the reason that Seth Rollins put that up, and as a matter of fact, he's got another one that he put about doubling down. Do you have that one, uh, Brady? He put that up later on, doubling down, best pro wrestling on the planet. This was when the show was actually going on. See that Cruiserweight triple threat? And that's just one night, one match amongst the many, blah, blah, blah. So he made it clear later on social media that the reason that he came out and said that stuff is because how frustrated he was because Stomping Grounds was deadpanned before the show took place. 
everybody was saying the card, no one cares about it. They're all rematches. Ticket sales were in the, in the toilet for that show. And so Seth Rollins, because this is his life and because he keeps a hellacious schedule and he's on the road four, five, six days a week, he was frustrated at the negative response to that show, and that's why he went off on Twitter. Problem for old Seth Rollins is that, you know, he's got to learn, especially when you're in his position, that you got to think before you act uh, because he continued on. And uh, when, when he made a comment about, what was the one about, can you put the last tweet back up for a second, Brady? Because there was something at the end of that one. He said at the end, find anyone else alive who does what I do as well as I do it, as often as I do it, you can't. Will Ospreay responded to that and said, I'm alive. And then Seth Rollins responded to Will Ospreay. And we have that tweet. Put that one up, Brady. Uh, I'm sorry, little guy. We already have a better version of you here. And he just won his first U.S. title tonight. He, he was talking about Ricochet. I saw that. And Sean, how many, how many times do I say this to you when it comes to just business in general? What's the benefit? Right. Yeah. I always say that. What's the benefit? What was the benefit to Seth Rollins taking a shot at Will Ospreay? What did he think was going to be that, the reaction to that? That little guy shit is so old. Do you know how many people called Seth Rollins the little guy? Right. And called him a wiry little. Ah, oh, that's that's so condescending and stupid. And it's you know it's like when when Conor McGregor says, "Oh yeah, hey, well I would maybe I'll go over there and slap around WWE guys." Clearly working. Right. And you'll have somebody go. Oh, well, maybe we'll let you go on 205 Live like that's <laughs> like so condescending and stupid. Meanwhile, WWE would fall all over themselves to have him. Oh, I think Vince um, would fire Shane if it meant he could get Conor McGregor. Yes. Uh, by the way, Will Ospreay's worked more matches than Seth Rollins has this year. And I don't think I don't think that anybody could watch those two and see any debate. And we're not talking three-minute matches that get restarted. Will Ospreay's out there working 25 minutes often, almost yeah, I mean, nightly. To and me, I, hey, he, he, ain't, he ain't my cup of tea all the time. Yeah. But he's amazing at what he does. So to be that condescending about another person who is top of the line, I get Seth Rollins' sentiment, and I sympathize with it. But the way that he went about it was corny. I thought it was just, he's got to understand the position he's in. He's got to understand that if you say something like that publicly, you're going to get crapped on. It's just going to happen. And, uh, and I didn't really understand it. Now, one thing that I read, because, you know, there's conspiracy theorists to everything, right? Nigel know this, knows this with Trig Tent. There's conspiracy theorists to everything. And so some people were posting on social media, it's a work. It's a yeah. work. I got news for you. It wasn't a work. All right. Seth Rollins is under contract with WWE. Will Ospreay is under contract with New Japan. They're not trying to work themselves into a match. It's not no. a work. It was Seth Rollins kind of shooting from the hip. Uh, but again, he's got to think things through. And he, again, what's the benefit? And, and uh, he got shit on pretty hard for that, as he should have, I think, because it, there, it wasn't called for. All Will Ospreay said is, I'm alive. That's it. All he did is basically put his hand up and say, what about me? And it should have just been left at that. So, yeah, he's yeah, got to be smarter. Rollins didn't have a good week between that and criticizing what Dean Ambrose said or John Moxley yeah, said. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, he's just – I think he's just offensive because he's passionate. Uh, and he, he made a point in saying, uh, you know, oh, I, I love the guy. I love the guy. But then at the same time, he kind of questioned his work ethic. He questioned that the schedule was too rigorous for him. Uh, but – I don't know. I understand the passion and I understand the frustration because he loves the company and the company right now is getting shit panned a lot, including by guys like us. But it's not because I don't love the talent. I mean, how often do we put over? 
Rusev is underutilized. Shinsuke Nakamura is underutilized. Kevin Owens is underutilized. We talk about these guys all the time. We love the talent. It's the guy at the top of the food chain that's crushing things right now. Uh, and again, if I'm Triple H, and I'm sure he's frustrated, Sean. If I'm Triple H and if I see Ricochet, who won the U.S. title on Sunday, then on Monday he cuts a golly gee, glad to be here promo. Then he goes out at the end of the night, loses clean in a non-title match. And then you know what I hated more than that, Sean? Mm -hmm. I hated the fact that after losing that non-title match clean, AJ Styles gives him the belt, raises his arm, and, and Ricochet is standing there with a big smile on his face. And <laughs> I saw that and I thought, how is anybody supposed to get behind this guy? You know what I mean? So they, they I don't know. That's another one where I kind of wonder how many liberties they could take. I'm sure Ricochet doesn't want to do that because he's still too new. So he doesn't yeah. want to take it. Because if it was me and if AJ did that, I'd probably be flipping AJ off and I'd be leaving the ring. But Ricochet doesn't want to do that, right? That's, that's so weird. They 50-50 everybody. They 50 50 the entire tag team division on SmackDown this week. There were four teams that won and lost matches over the course of three yeah, days. Yeah, and you know what's really interesting is that WWE.com stuff, right, which Vince McMahon probably isn't too hands-on with. I bet you he doesn't even, even watch most of it. WWE.com stuff is actually pretty entertaining. The 24-7 skits are fun. Uh, Drake Maverick at his at his wedding losing the title to uh, R-Truth I thought was pretty damn funny. I think R-Truth and Drake Maverick have awesome chemistry, those two guys. Uh, so I thought that was really good. But then they go on television, and the 24-7 segments mostly suck on live television. Because on live television, all they do is they take those same bottom feeders in their gear, and they make them run around ringside like lemmings every week. The stuff that they do on the dot-com is way, way better. Although, you know what? I think by accident they discover that Sleep, uh, Heath Slater is over. Yeah. I think they discovered uh, that, that by that mistake. That reaction was great. It was. It was. Yeah. But it is what it is now, man, you know? I guess we'll see what I happens. Love that. I love that. And that was the point of that 24-7 title was to get exposure for people who didn't have it. Right. And for people who uh, needed it, who weren't on TV. And it's working. R-Truth was getting chants the other night. People love him right now. They do. So I'm, I'm all for it. They could not have fumbled the introduction anymore. But you know what? I don't fumble my introductions. Here's my interview with Alicia Atal. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross at FightfulWrestling.com. Here with AEW's Alicia Town. Alicia, how you doing? It's one night, not to date this, but it is one day after your AEW debut. Ooh, we can date it, because yesterday was amazing. I am just on cloud nine, being a part of AEW's debut show. It was pretty big and very exciting. And just the vibe backstage was incredible. Obviously a great show. So probably a longer answer than you expected, but I'm just very happy. Uh, long, long answers get our word count up. And how did this differ from the all-in show with a lot of the same people, but a different production, a, a lot of differences as well? I feel a big difference is at the end of the day, everyone behind the company knows we're not getting rid of this ring. Everything here is ours, and we are going to be using it for months, if not years, to come. So all in, a lot of talent even didn't know, is there more? What's going to happen? Whereas when you come away from Double or Nothing, you know there's more, and we're, everyone's very excited for the future. Who reached out to you to make the deal with AEW a reality? Yeah, so I've pretty much been dealing with Cody. Um, that's been my main go-to, my main boss. And it got to the point where once I found out AEW really is a thing, it's not just rumors, this is happening, I reached out. And I said, hey, 
how are you? If you need someone, hi. And luckily it all just worked out. You did some work for Impact too. Impact has been around a little bit longer, they well, a lot longer, and maybe have solidified themselves, at least from a production aspect, and have things done their way. How did that differ from your AEW experience? It was definitely different, because when it came to AEW, it was just on such a, a grand stage, and the production was just, it was so spot on. I feel like everything was just run flawlessly last night, especially for a first show. Yeah. You would expect some kind of screw-up, but there really wasn't between the matches, the production, the timing, and I know that was a really big thing for everyone backstage. Of course, we know last year with All In, there was that time crunch for that yeah. main event, and this year, it was just flawless. The, uh, the production and... Just the organization there is pretty incredible. How will your schedule be affected by AEW? Because I know right now they're, they're getting started with a few events. It goes to TV in the fall. But how will your personal schedule be affected? So I'm in talks with them right now doing stuff going forward. So it's one of those things where everyone's just going to have to wait and see what comes out of it. Um, but I expect to be very busy over the next couple of months. I'm really excited. So i got to ask, Ambie, is it is it going to continue? Yeah, Ambie is always going to be a thing, whether Good. it's interviewing AEW talent or just being at conventions. I, I love it. If it does come to the point where somewhere down the line, you know, someone says it's part of a contract or something, this can't happen. If it outweighs it and it makes sense for a career choice, just being very blunt with all the fans watching, then you have to take really good opportunities. Well, we'll let people know about Ambie and uh, where they can find it. Yes, so Ambie is my YouTube channel where I host tons and tons of interviews. There's like two or 3,000 on there. It's great stuff. Great. Thank you so much. So just type up AliciaTooth.com and everything is on there. <laughs> Thank you so much, Alicia. Thank you Means so much. Means a lot. Thank you. We're out. And we're back. You can see that full interview soon on Fightful's YouTube. Subscribe, guys. Leave a thumbs up. That stuff helps. Jimmy, I heard a hot rumor that we're going to attempt to go live next week. Yeah, so we're using a new software. Anybody out there that's into streaming, if you're having issues too, it's called OBS. Uh, probably aware. <laughs> we were the last people in the world to use OBS. Well, because Wirecast was supposed to be more simplistic for media. That's why, because we use a lot of media. Uh, and so it was supposed to be more simplistic, but obviously YouTube doesn't like it. So now we're trying OBS. I'm told Brady is manning the fort this week. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm told I'm told by Brady that OBS is is not as easy to use as Wirecast, but that he's figuring it out. And so yeah, we're gonna try going live again next week, man. So I'm telling you guys, any software developers who want to create something that would be wildly successful, find something that implements all the aspects of what we do: green screen, on-screen graphics, uh, split screen, media. Create it, make it work in a, in a easy, quick manner. And, and more than anything, consistent manner with YouTube, and you're going to have a ton of money because YouTube goes out of its way to make everything more difficult. Yeah, and I'm not going to devote the resources to it, so yeah. somebody else can make it. I'm not going to do it. Let's talk about Fighter Fest because it's this Saturday, June 29, yeah. uh, so it's going to be live and free on the BR Live app in the U.S. and Canada. In the U.K. and Ireland, you can watch it on Fight TV. They're doing it in collaboration with ITV Box Office, but it's not free. In the U.K., it's about nine pounds, and in Ireland, it's about ten pounds. Uh, I'm not going to go over the entire card, but it's going to be John Moxley's first AEW match against Joey Janela, which is going to be interesting. Um, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks against Lucha Brothers and Laredo Kid—that should be interesting. Now, they're doing this. 
the stipulation seems a little convoluted. I feel like they're overcomplicating it a little bit. There's going to be a three-way tag, SCU versus the best friends versus private party. And I'm reading this directly from their press release. Winners earn shot at all-out for first-round bye in World Tag Team Championship Tournament. A little convoluted. Yeah, way too convoluted. They, yeah. they And they even had the opera. Okay, so from what I heard, AEW wasn't thrilled that that graphic got out anyway. Right. But then when they corrected it, like, I think that they thought the issue with it was that there was a typo in the graphic. No, it's because the rule was convoluted. Yes, it, it was. So, basically, if you win this match, I guess you're going to go on to another match at All Out uh, to earn a buy. My question with that one would be, but the other team in the All Out match, why don't they have to earn the right to go to another match? Like I don't all, know. Maybe maybe they do. I don't know. Maybe it, that'll be it. Fight for the Fallen. Maybe, maybe, maybe because right now it, seems, it sounds right now like Vincent Mann booked that. Yeah, but uh, but that's what they're doing now. I want to say one thing about this. I have never seen Alex Jabaley wrestle. He doesn't. Okay, I hate this because this happens sometimes. So Alex Jabaley, he's the organizer of CEO Gaming, and Fighter Fest is being done in conjunction with CEO Gaming. It's something that Kenny Omega used to do every year, and this year they have it uh, under the AEW banner instead. Alex Jabil. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. The organizer is going to wrestle a hardcore match against Michael uh, Nakasawa. I have seen shows in the past where promoters inject themselves into matches, especially promoters that are not necessarily well-trained. Uh, there are certain guys I know in Toronto, I'm not going to mention their names, but they were notorious for doing this, where they would not only promote the show, but they put themselves in a match. And because they weren't properly trained, all they did was popular finishers for the entire match on. Yeah. They would literally go in there and do nothing but stunners and rock bottoms and people's elbows, and that's all they would do. I hate when promoters feel the need to put themselves over and put themselves in a match on the show. And so when I saw that, because when I first saw this match, I was like, who the hell is Alex Jabaley? And I looked it up, found it. He's the promoter. I hate he it. Was, he was supposed to have a match, I think it was uh, forever ago, and he tore his Achilles in, in doing so. He trained, I think, with Scorpio Sky. They, they played up the story on AEW's okay. content. Uh, this is far from, like, a top billing or anything. Mm-hmm. This is more... Uh, I, I would imagine more of a get some CEO fan asses in seats type of thing. Like, is oh, he, hey, is, there's this guy. Is he known in that world, I guess? I, I would imagine. I can't pretend that I am hip to all that. Yeah, okay. But as I look, he's got like 40,000 Twitter followers, which, let's be honest, more than a significant portion of AEW's roster. Like, that's more than MJF has right now. And a lot of these people that are at CEO Gaming will know who he is. How that translates to asses in seats I have no idea. 
Uh, I cannot pretend like I'm looking forward to that match because I'm not. No, no. And again, as soon as I saw that he was the promoter, I just, I just immediately hated it. So I, I probably won't watch it. Uh, well, I'm, maybe I will if I watch the show, but I'm going to you know, go on a, on a bathroom break at that moment. Uh, now, there have been rumors for a while that WWE is experimenting with the idea of adding tiers to the WWE Network. And the rumor is that they were going to ha- offer on higher price tiers live shows from other promotions. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and particularly from, from independent promotions that have ties to WWE. Uh, they're doing something that I'm pretty sure has to do with that experiment. July 13, they actually announced this today, Evolve 131, which is the 10th anniversary show for Evolve. Uh, it's going to feature matches such as Matt Riddle against Drew Gulak. They are going to air that live on WWE Network head-to-head with Fight for the Fallen. And, yeah, uh, uh, I think it's a very petty, dickish move to do it against Fight for the Fallen because of the nature of that show. But WWE is well within their rights to do so. But it is not a coincidence. Like, no. Here's the thing. I don't even see people saying that it's a coincidence anymore, but there will still be those people. Oh, they don't care. They care. And the thing is, I think if they could hurt AEW's bottom line, they would want to. Of course. The thing is, the thing is against this charity show, and I think that's what's got a lot of people upset. I wouldn't say I'm upset, but considering the fact that, obviously, Jimmy, I've talked to a lot of people in WWE, and I see a lot of the weird, petty things that are going on there right now. Yep. This is a very petty thing to do. This is their attempt to hurt the bottom line of a show that is in part for charity. Will it hurt the bottom line of that show? No, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Uh, minimally. In the single to triple digits financially, <laughs> maybe. I mean, they're, they're trying to slow. Dozens of dollars lost. Do, yeah, <laughs> they're, they're trying to slow their momentum. And the thing is, if anybody knows the history of Vince McMahon... This is right up the alley of Vince McMahon, right? I mean, why was the Royal Rumble created? The Royal Rumble was created as a live television special on USA Network to combat a show that Crockett was doing the same night. That's why the Rumble was created. Matter of fact, I think the Survivor Series was created for a similar reason. I think it was created because Crockett used to do a big Thanksgiving show, I think. Uh, And McMahon also used to do stuff like you would tell the pay-per-view providers, if you wear this Crockett pay-per-view, you don't get WrestleMania this year he did stuff like that all the time and so when i heard about this that they're going to air that show the same day as fight for the fallen it's right up vincent man's alley now do i think that vincent man is really aware of what fight for the fallen is probably not does he even know about evolve 131 probably not probably not but he probably knew enough to go to hunter who does know what fight for the fallen is and he does know what evolve 131 is and he probably just said to hunter so what shows do they have coming up i mean this this has been gone on Decades ago, I mean, Bunkhouse Stampede against the first Royal Rumble, right. even. That's the what Royal Rumble was a USA special. That, yeah. I just said all that, yes. I, did you say Bunkhouse Stampede? No, I did not. You didn't say Bunkhouse Stampede! <laughs> By the way, check Clearly, out Clearly, LaShawn wasn't listening to me because he was too busy I was, researching. I was listening to you uh, because, oh. Jimmy, uh, I covered Royal Rumble 1988 on Fightful Select. On our retro review a while back. Okay. Maybe if you paid attention to your website, you know that. <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm excited, a little intimidated by the tasks that we're going to see because, I mean, there are going to be times where we're doing live post shows covering two shows at once. Yeah. That's, that's pretty wild. Uh, and, I mean, you know, I responded to this on Twitter. It is very obvious what WWE is doing. And anybody who pretends that they're not making an attempt to hurt the bottom line is oblivious or ignorant, flat out. 
I think that you know, had people in WWE's company that say that sent me the link and said this is corny. Now that's not about them going head to head with AEW. Mm. They're gonna go head to head with AEW, and it's gonna happen a lot. But it's the the notion of the charity show. I don't know what percentage goes to gun violence victims. I don't know. That's not my thing. Yeah. But that's the sentiment, and that's uh, actually what Kenny Omega had tweeted before deleting it. Yeah, you know what? I mean, I understand the charity aspect of it, and I understand people having a problem with it because of that. But from a business perspective, I don't have a problem with it at all. No problem at all. No problem at all. And, and again, what you might want to do, Sean, because I, I know that a lot of today's fans don't know Vince McMahon's track record. What you might want to do is you might want to – I'm being serious. You might want to let no. them know, by the way, Vince McMahon has done this multiple times – over the, gotcha. last, over the last 30 years. This is just the latest example. And again, I think Hunter was the catalyst. I think that the only thing that Vince would have, would have been able to do is find, to, is, is find out when's their next show. Okay, is there anything going on the same night? Okay, let's put it on the network. I think that's probably Vince's limit on knowledge when it comes to this stuff. Hunter is the catalyst in terms of knowing the landscape. In, in, in yeah, the and, and man, I like it. I, I, I lo- love It's more. great for the business. And, and again, again, I know there are a lot of pro WWE people that want to see AEW fail because they're threatened by their momentum or whatever. We're gonna, I'm going to repeat myself, like I've said before. If you're a wrestling fan, you've got to like this, man. You've got to we, like this. I mean, we literally brought on another – Andrew full-time in large part because AEW is starting. Like, we got to have somebody to cover all that extra news and stuff. So I like it. I like it for our industry and what we're in and – I like it for wrestling fans because competition breeds usually better content. Usually, and yep. uh, hopefully this is the case too. Uh, my only qualm is, hey, if they would have done it this Saturday against Fighter Fest, I'd have no qualms with it. I'd say hell yeah, do it. I uh, didn't have any qualms with the the double or nothing or the all out day, even though those aren't really head to head. Wouldn't have any problem with it if WWE the first night of AEW's TV runs a big giant special on the network no problem with it the only issue i have is it was very very clear and petty that WWE did it up against a gun violence victim charity show yeah but i i, I think i don't think that's intentional i think that what happened oh, I with, no well I okay not not that just yeah. that AEW's running a show yes uh, i don't but i'm like if i were them i would have been like uh maybe maybe next time around we do this no if i was Vince, i would have done the exact same thing I would have done the yeah, exact but, same thing because because you got to understand. So we evolved 131. They've been promoting that already for like a month, yeah. month and a half. This is nothing that came up overnight. And oh, they sure right. And they've already been been promoting that guys from WWE and NXT are going to be appearing on that show. And we know that there's a, a tight connection between Evolve and WWE. It just so happened the stars aligned that the Evolve show is happening the same day oh, as Fight for the Fallen. There is no stars aligned. The Fight for the Fallen was announced months ago. <laughs> Oh, months oh, and months okay. Ago. So, so you think that they booked Evolve because they pro- they probably had the book for quite a while, no? The maybe I don't know, but I don't think there's any coincidence that the first show that's not WWE that they stream is right up against an AEW show. Oh, no, I don't no, think no, it's no, no, no. that's not what I mean. What 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 I mean is I think that the stars aligned that it ha- Evolve happened to be that same day. But I don't think oh, maybe he, that, I yeah, yeah but not that I mean. WWE opted to stream it. Oh, no, no, because, that's completely intentional. Because Evolve intentional. runs all the time. They yeah. could stream any Evolve show they For wanted. Sure. Like, no. like, you know, a few weeks ago could have been like their first. A few weeks after could have been their first. But they picked that night and against that show. And I think that's the only thing that leaves a sour taste in my mouth. And even then, I'm just like, 
that's a dick move and it's petty, but I, I get what WWE's doing. I would have done the same thing. I'm not going to lie. I would have done the exact same thing. Okay, let's go to stupid people. Stupid people is what this segment's called. You might wonder why we do it. It's not about wrestling at all. Used to be WWE's weekly usage of stupid nicknames, which we did hoping they'd stop giving wrestlers lame names. But it didn't work, so we gave up. In the new segment, we came up with this stupid people. Stupid people, stupid people. Duh. Okay, I don't know if Nigel has heard about this first one yet, but if he hasn't, he's going to find this hilarious. Just call it a hunch if he hasn't heard about this one. So this was reported by The Guardian on June 20. So there's a six-part television series, Sean. It's called Good Omens, and it's about a demon and an angel that collaborate to prevent the coming of the Antichrist. I heard this one. Okay. Maybe, <laughs> My wife told me about maybe, this. Maybe Nigel has too then. So that's the name of this uh, six-part show. It's called Good Omens. More than 20,000 Christians have signed a petition through, through returntoorder.org demanding that the show be canceled because they're calling it blasphemous. And they are promising, they're promising that once the petition is, is complete, they're going to deliver all the results to Netflix to demand that Netflix cancel the show. Obvious problem. Sean already knows the answer, so I'll throw it to Nigel. What was the problem, Nigel? It's an Amazon Prime show. It's an Amazon Prime show. <laughs> Did you see that the creator, I think it was, tweeted and said, nobody tell them. Yeah, so I don't, I don't think I asked Brady to take the screenshot, so I probably don't have it in here. But after the story made the news, uh, the people that put the, the petition together, they changed it. And they changed it to say Amazon instead of Netflix. After The Guardian posted their story on Twitter, Netflix responded on Twitter. And I, again, just like uh, putting Evolve on the network, if I ran Netflix's Twitter, I would have done the exact same thing that they did. They responded to the uh, to the Guardian story, and they said, "Okay, we promise not to make any more." And I thought that was awesome. Good on you, Netflix, and anybody that's going to put together a petition trying to you know draw attention to yourself. Just use your brain next time. That's all I got to say. Ooh, thought that was a man. good man. All right, this next one. This is reported by KHOU out of Houston, Texas, on June 21. This is another one of those sad, stupid ones. Yeah. You know, this is another one. So a 26-year-old mother of three from Houston, Texas, her name is Lexis Stagg, she's been charged in connection with the death of her three-year-old son. All right? What happened, Sean? Oh, God. There's so many possibilities. So many possibilities. Do you have any idea, or do you want me to just throw it in? Nah, out just tell me. She is uh, accused of playing a game of chicken with the, with the boy and his siblings using a Lincoln Navigator. Think about that for a minute, man. Surveillance video from a nearby apartment complex shows her driving her car back and forth while the kids are either chasing it or running from it. Uh, and apparently at one point, uh, the two siblings were able to avoid it, but the three-year-old didn't. He was struck and he died in hospital. Oh. How? I'm, she must have been bored. I guess she had time to kill. I don't know what happened there. She's charged with criminally negligent homicide, and she's being held on $50,000 bail. Got to go to jail forever. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. You're chasing if you're, if you're your that, kids. If you're that stupid, you got to go to jail yeah. forever. Unbelievable. I can't even. All right, this last one. This is for the SRS file. Reported by DW.com uh, into Germany on June 22nd. This one's pretty good. So there's a tour boat that was passing under a low-clearance bridge called Janowitz Bridge. It's in Berlin. 
All right. Okay. Suddenly, a commotion set off a chain reaction, and it resulted in four people going to hospital for head lacerations. What commotion caused that chain reaction of events, Sean? Commotion. Mmm. What caused somebody's dick fell off? Uh, there was a man standing on the bridge, pissing into the boat. Close. Close. <laughs> he was pissing off the bridge into the boat. Uh, the pee sprinkle, once it hit people, caused them to just instant reaction, caused them to jump up, and because they were going under a low low uh, bridge, they hit their heads on the bottom of the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> it's such good shit. It's such good shit. Yeah, and here's the best news. So assault charges have been filed by uh, the police, but yeah. they don't they don't currently know his whereabouts because he ran for it after he pissed off the bridge. I like it. Yeah. I like it. That's what happened. That, hey. Hey man, I, I don't agree with that. I don't condone it. No. I don't endorse it. Yeah. But I'll laugh at it. Yep. I thought it was pretty funny. No one was like severely injured, so you know that you can laugh at it then. Okay, I want to move on, and I want to talk about something that I think could be money. Okay. I really believe that this could be money. I'm thinking SummerSlam might be too early, so I'm thinking Royal Rumble, maybe. Maybe even WrestleMania. Um, last Monday night, June 23rd, in Las Vegas, the Future Stars of Wrestling, uh, FSW, they had, they had their 10th anniversary show. You already know where I'm going with this. They had their, 10th, an they had their 10th anniversary show. Now, anybody that's not familiar with FSW, they feature a lot of MMA talent on their shows. So they've had Stefan Bonner, who's a former UFC fighter. They've had Phil Baroni, who's a former UFC fighter. They've had Filthy Tom Lawler, who's a former UFC fighter. They oftentimes use Austin Aries in the, in the, uh, in the role of a manager or in the role of an agent in FSW. And so on this show last Monday night, June 23rd, Austin Aries was doing a, a segment in the ring with Killer Cross. And he introduced to Killer Cross his new client. Then in the ring behind Killer Cross comes none other than former UFC heavyweight champion Frank Mir. And they announced that on the July 5 show, which is going to be called Natural Born Killers, Frank Mir is going to wrestle on that show. Now, I had heard that Mir was training to wrestle. Uh, he did Bloodsport as well. Okay, he did Bloodsport as well. I had heard that. Now, anybody, even if you're not a massive MMA fan, you probably know who Frank Mir is because he was Brock Lesnar's first opponent in the UFC. He's the guy that got him in the ankle lock. Uh, and then Brock beat him in the rematch. So you probably know who Frank Mir is. Sean, there is money in Brock Lesnar, Frank Mir, in WWE. There is money. And so if Frank, if Frank can even be competent yes. at, at, pro, at pro wrestling, then yes. Uh, yeah, I actually reached out to Future Stars of Wrestling and set up hopefully some interviews. I'm supposed to have one tonight. We'll see how it goes. And right. Hopefully we can do more. I'm like, man, that's, that's something right in our wheelhouse. That's what we specialize in. Right, we cover. right. And, and, and you just hit the nail on the head. If Frank Mir is in any way competent, and he's a decent athlete, and he's a smart guy too, so yeah. something, something tells me that he can pick it up. He's had a lot of injuries, so he's not, he's not going to be, you know, he's not the athlete Brock Lesnar is. But I think he could be decent. Can you imagine if he gets in some, some ring time and if Triple H, because Vince, you know, probably doesn't even know who the hell Frank Mir is. Maybe he does. But if Triple H monitors his progress and then if you go to him and say, look, let's have you be a surprise entrant in the Royal Rumble and then lead to you and Brock, you eliminate Brock in the Rumble, Sean. Think about that. Frank Mir eliminates Brock in the Rumble and they lead to a match at WrestleMania, tell me that's not money. That is money right there. And the thing is, when I look at that show, the person I'm most interested in seeing what they do 
is 30-year-old Gina Mazzani, who almost nobody on our stream knows. But she's a UFC fighter. I don't know if she's still there, if she's on this show. Um, but uh, fought in the UFC four times. We interviewed her a few times. But uh, a 30-year-old woman who has an MMA background making that jump into pro wrestling, you don't have a ton of that on the indie circuit right now. So if she wants to dedicate any amount of time at it, and again, is half decent, I either imagine she's going to get a lot of indie bookings or she's going to get snatched up real quick. Right. Because what she has is not out there. I love this idea. I love what Future Stars of Wrestling are doing. Hope I can do some interviews uh, with some of their talent. Awesome. All right, let's move on. So how many times have we talked on the show about the importance of perception, Sean? We've talked Very about, often. Talked about it quite a bit. That leads me to Impact Wrestling. Okay. Now, I hate to beat on them because I tend to pick on them a lot. Uh, most, yeah. of the time, no, most of the time it's because they deserve it. <laughs> I want to I talk about something I saw with Impact Wrestling that leads me to the importance of perception. Okay? Because okay. I saw a graphic for their next show that's coming up on June 5th. Uh, we have the graphic from it, Brady. Can you put that up for me? July fifth. What did I say? June fifth. Okay, sorry, July fifth. There's the graphic for it right there. <laughs> Brian Cage and Moose. They're calling it Bash at the Brewery um, because it's taking place at a brewery. Well, in San Antonio, I, this is Texas. Impact Plus presents Bash at the Brewery. Okay. This is an RCW show. No, I know, I know, and I, I was going to say all that. I was going to say all that. Okay. Um, so. I understand the financial aspect of things with Impact Wrestling because we talked about it before. I know that they are on a shoestring budget. Uh, they don't have money coming in from TV. They're on the Fight Network in Canada, which is owned by Anthem. They're on Pursuit in the U.S., which is owned by Anthem. Their biggest deal is in the U.K. Uh, on Five Star. Their Twitch channel, Sean, they have a decent amount of followers, but most of the videos do about what our YouTube videos do. Like, they don't yeah. do big numbers on Twitch. Their YouTube... <laughs> That's why when everybody says, hey, Sean, just switch to Twitch. It's so much better. I'm like, yeah, I'll enjoy those dozens of views. Yep. And, and on YouTube, uh, they have a strong subscriber base because of the popularity that they used to have. So on YouTube, they have about 2.5 million subscribers, which is really strong. But most of their, of their weekly videos do less than 100,000 views. Yeah. So Impact Wrestling, they don't have a ton of buzz, and we know that they're a small promotion. Now, I understand why they're doing the show, and you just kind of touched upon it. They're doing the July 5 show in conjunction with River City Wrestling. They're mm -hmm. also making a weekend out of it. The next day, July 6th, they're doing a show in conjunction with Reality of Wrestling. Uh, and then July 7th, they're doing the Slam University pay-per-view in Dallas. So that means that RCW and, and Reality of Wrestling, they're probably splitting costs when it comes to tr uh, trans, hotel, that kind of stuff. So I understand why they're doing it. But here's my issue. It's one thing to be a small promotion on a shoestring budget, all right? It's another thing to basically inadvertently market yourselves that way, all right? It's another thing to call your show Bash at the Brewery. You're going to be doing the show from the tasting room of a brewery shop. I love it. I love it. Oh, it might sound like a fun thing and all, but when you're already, you have to understand, they already, the perception of Impact Wrestling among wrestling fans is that they're bottom of the barrel. Uh, in terms of wrestling companies, they're considered far below Ring of Honor, AEW, uh, WWE. If, if I'm the promoter of, of, uh, of Impact Wrestling, because you know the landscape, you're not an idiot. If I'm the promoter, sure, you probably got a deal on the venue, and so you're going to run a show from the tasting room of a brewery because you got a deal. I wouldn't spotlight that fact. I would try to hide that fact, the whole Paul Heyman rule, rule of, uh, of accentuate the strengths and hide the negatives. I would try to hide it. What are they going to do next? Are they going to do altercation at Applebee's? Is that coming up? What Is about, Baron Corbin going to get booked? 
Yeah, very good. Maybe, maybe. maybe. I would love altercation at Applebee's. That'd be a hell of a sponsor, Jimmy. What about that? The, would be a coup. That'd be a coup. What about what about the Rumble at Red Lobster? Maybe they can do the Rumble at Red Lobster. Hell yeah! I've never been to Red Lobster. You've never been? Yeah, but you're not a seafood guy, right? Not a seafood guy. My my wife did try fried catfish last night though, and liked it. Like oh, really? first time she's ever tried it. So but I'm yeah. not gonna I'm not gonna. You're talking about these places getting great sponsors, Jimmy. That's not at all my point. They're gonna go to a brewery. They should go to my friends at Sawstone Brewery in Moorhead, Kentucky. That's where they should go. Free free plug for you guys. There you go. Well, let me say first, Red Lobster uh, is not where you go if you want good lobster. With all due respect to them, that's not where you go if you want good lobster. Let's just Listen, say that. Jimmy, I run up on anybody in Red Lobster and I get violent. I get violent, Jimmy. Cause I'm all about that color blue. I'm all about that performance. I'm repping Blue Chew. And you can too, Jimmy, for free. Whether you're at a brewery, whether you're at the 2323, I hope people aren't using it there. You can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work, but you can take them anytime, day or night, you want to run a Twitch stream on Blue Chew? Well, I don't know if the aftermath is legal on Twitch, but hey, you can take them on a full stomach even. They work up to twice as fast as the pill, so you can be ready whenever. They're prescribed online. They ship straight to your door in a discreet package. You don't have to go to a doctor uh, to get this. It's all done online. You don't have to wait at the pharmacy. No more awkwardness. And Jimmy, you can get it cheaper than a ticket to bash at the brewer. You can get it cheaper than a month of Impact Plus because it's free. When you use the code FIGHTFUL, you just pay $5 shipping. Let them know you heard about them or from us at Get Blue Chew on Twitter. But damn, you thought it was over, Jimmy. Red versus blue, it's never over. <laughs> I'm going to start wearing not. my bandana out in public, and I'm pretty sure there won't be any confusion. So that, that is one situation where there won't be a wild card, I guess. What? Blue Chew? No, you're keeping the red and the blue separate. I'm getting... I'm, Hey, we don't discriminate, even though I said that we were very clearly going to discriminate before that plug. You, you never know who's going to knock on your door when you take Blue Chew. You never know. One more thing I want to say about, about Impact Wrestling. This is just my opinion, Sean. You may or may not disagree uh, with me. Uh, ease up on the intergender matches. Yeah. Enough of the intergender matches. Look, I applaud them for trying to be different. I applaud it. You know what I mean? Uh, they need to understand, if they don't already, that the market for that, in terms of the wrestling fan, it's minimal. It's minimal. And when I saw that they're going to be doing now Simi Callahan and Tessa Blanchard, ease up on the intergender matches because I, that, I think that, that is a, that's a little niche that they don't want for themselves. They don't want to be known for that, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I would definitely agree with that. I noticed that a lot. And, hey, if you want to build Tessa Blanchard – as the biggest star in the company, I am fully on board with that. I am I believe too. She is. I agree, but I think that WWE did it right with China. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they would have China interfere, and they would have China maybe body slam one of the guys, but they didn't book her in singles matches with the men, Sean. And the thing is, Tessa Blanchard is better in. Oh, she booked. She got booked in singles matches with men. Not very often. All the time, Jimmy. She wasn't the headliner of a pay per view, Sean. Never. Pay-per-view. Jimmy, she worked against men all the time. Oh, oh, you know what? I totally lost your, uh, I lost you on that one, but now I'm thinking with you. Oh, God, Jimmy. 
Jimmy. <laughs> Jimmy, you let's, did. Let's move on. Let's Jimmy, move on. Come on. I didn't even. Come on, I got, Jimmy. I got one more thing. You know thing. how many people are going to be mad about that? Uh, I got oh, one fuck. more. I got one more thing. This is why I'm not a wrestling journalist. Like I can get away with saying things. Like I got one more thing on my list this week. Jimmy. I got. Stop saying Jimmy. Let's move on. Jimmy, stop. I got one more thing on my list this week. They weren't Sean. always singles matches either. <laughs> no, they weren't. No, they weren't. Come on. Uh, oh, I'm gonna. Hey, you said oh. that. That wasn't me. That you wasn't did. me. How could I not, Jimmy? <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with no, it. No, there's nothing wrong not with it. Not a damn thing no, wrong. It's with fine. It. It's okay. They tried to send me a review copy. <laughs> they did. <laughs> okay. I. <laughs> Jeez. I got I got one more thing on the list of Jimmy Van this week. I'm going to post this video clip for a second because this has been taken out of context, and so I feel the need to kind of explain it. Um, there was is a is it the clip of what we just talked about no, right now? Oh, <laughs> if, if, you, if you want to get demonetized for life, maybe no. I meant just me and you talking. Oh, that's I see. I clear. see. It's going to get taken out of context. So there was a raw live event last weekend. Uh, and again, we're doing this on June uh, 26th. There's a Raw live event last weekend. Uh, Ann Hell from WrestlingNews.co posted this on Twitter. What happened was, before you put the clip up, what happened was uh, fans were being interviewed at ringside. Not interviewed, they were be just being quizzed. I think they were doing it for prizes. And they had one of the WWE interviewers out there asking them trivia questions. Uh, one of the kids was asked, who's the best in the world? Obviously, they were looking for Shane McMahon, and obviously, this was a situation where whoever came up with this idea didn't know their audience, which is a common problem in WWE. Uh, again, here's the clip. Uh, go ahead and put that up, uh, Brady. The best in the world. Shane McMahon. Ian Okay, so the reason I wanted to put this on the, uh, on the podcast here, and in case anybody might have missed that, he's asked who's the best in the world, and he said CM Punk. The reason I wanted to bring this up is because I heard a couple of renowned wrestling journalists, Sean, I'm not going to lie, a couple of renowned guys on, on a podcast laugh and joke about it and talk about what an embarrassment it was for WWE. In reality, it really wasn't. All it was was an innocent little kid who it, you saw the way the kid answered the question, Sean? Yeah, he was being serious. Like he really thought that the girl was asking, "Who's the best in the world?" CM Punk, because that's the nickname that he always heard for CM Punk. He was innocently answering the question the way that he thought was the correct answer to give. Uh, and I want to mention this because again, we we talk sometimes about how some wrestling journalists they like to uh, play their own narrative, and they like yeah. to they like to take things out of context. And I saw, I listened to guys joke around about it, what an embarrassment it was, and oh, this fan really stuck it to WWE. Absolutely <laughs> furthest thing from the truth. Furthest <laughs> thing from the truth. Completely innocent thing. Uh, and that's why I wanted to bring, I wanted to mention that, Sean. Yeah, eh, it happens. It was funny. Yes. It was very funny, but outside of that, not a lot going on, but we got a lot going on at Fightful, Jimmy. Tuesday, we had the Fightful MMA podcast. We actually... For like three of the next four weeks, we don't have MMA post shows because there are big wrestling events going on during that. So I'm doing post show results. But every Tuesday, 2 p.m. Eastern, join me in Showdown Joe. I've been saying on, on the air, we have no bridges left to burn in MMA. There is no BS on that podcast. You want to tune into that. So if you haven't subscribed to YouTube.com slash Fightful MMA Boxing, do so. 
But this week, it's just stacked. Uh, big 205 Live in NXT UK. Warren Hayes reviews that on Select. My Fightful Backstage Report podcast up on Select. Uh, the Weekender podcast will be up on Select very soon. Next week, Jimmy's doing the Q&A. I'll have two myself next month. Our best retro review ever is posting, I think, next week. Super Clash 3. What a tragedy that show was, Jimmy. It was horrible, and I can't wait for people to talk about it. I will post a clip. But this weekend, we have Ring of Honor Best in the World. We have AEW Fighter Fest. And we have UFC Minneapolis. It's wild, Jimmy. Are you going to watch any of those? Uh, so I was going to ask you first, Naganu Dos Santos, who you got? Oh, I got Dos Santos. I but also, I agree. I got Dos Santos as well. He's on a hot streak, but it wouldn't shock me just to see Nganu crack him and knock nope. him out in 10 seconds. Yep, yep. I think what's going to happen is I think uh, Dos Santos is going to get a hold of him, take him down, I think. Quite possible, and definitely if it gets into deep waters, that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of the, the GOAT, Artem Lobov, defeating Polly Malinagi? <sighs> so let me just say this. I'm, yeah, I'm not going to go on for 20 minutes about boxing. But let me just say Did this. Did great numbers for us, by the Did way. Did it? Did it? Fantastic let me just say this. Numbers. I have always have had a love-slash-hate opinion of Pauli uh, Malignaggi. Uh, and I'm going to tell you why. What I've always loved about Pauli Malignaggi, and I know a lot of our viewers might not be boxing fans, but I, I'm, so I'm going to try to put this into terms that even if you don't know boxing, you're going to understand it. What I always loved about him was how honest he was. Uh, and to give you an example, he once fought a show in Texas, and I forget who the opponent was, but he once fought a show in Texas against a Texas fighter. And in the pre-match, Paulie Naji said straight up, if I don't knock him out, I'm losing by decision, no matter how well I do, because he's from here, and at least one of the judges is from here. What happened? He went out, he won a 12-round fight, like he got the better of the guy, and he lost by decision. Uh, and, in, and in the post-fight, he called it out straight up, and he said, it's on me because I told you if I didn't knock him out in this, in this town with this fighter, with these judges, I wasn't going to win. Was that against Juan Diaz? I'm not sure. I think sure. it was Juan Diaz because they, they ran it back right away, and Malinaji beat him, I think, in like Chicago or Des Moines or somewhere. You can find it on it. YouTube. You can find it. So that's yeah. one thing I've always loved about Pauli Malignaggi. What I've always hated about Pauli Malignaggi is that he's a Floyd Mayweather fighter and that he always fought not to lose. Yeah. Uh, and, and the reason that I don't consider Floyd Mayweather to be one of the greatest ever, because I know a lot of guys say, oh, 50-0, I don't consider him even top 10, greatest of all time. And the reason I don't consider Floyd Mayweather top 10 is because he always fought not to lose. He would always... Hot takes, Jimmy. Oh, this is my opinion. He was a defensive fighter that fought not to lose, and Malinaji was the same way. He just fought not to lose. And yeah. my, my opinion as a boxing fan, I don't care for that, that type of fighter. And so that's my opinion of Malinaji. For him to lose, a former professional boxer, to lose to a mid-level striker, a mid-level striker is embarrassing, Sean. It's embarrassing, and he should be embarrassed. That's my opinion. Jimmy, so while I have this show going on, I have two windows up. I have Twitter, and I have one with, like, my social feeds up on, on the right, just in case. Yep. Or, or I have Fightful up and social feeds. Since we've done this show... As I go through my social feeds, I'm getting Applebee's-sponsored ads now. I did not type it. I did not do anything. Isn't that amazing? Not- so, okay, let's talk about it, Sean. Let's talk about it. We're going to go a little long on the podcast this week. Okay. So uh, I just had this conversation at lunch with, uh, with my friends. So there was an interview that happened this week with Gail King. You know, Gail King is Oprah Winfrey's friend. And yeah. I think, I think she's on uh, CBS this morning. 
she did an interview with one of the co-founders of Instagram, all right? Mm -hmm. And she said to the co-founder of Instagram, why is it that if I have a conversation with my friends about something, then I go and I check Instagram on my phone, I'm getting ads for whatever we just talked about. And the Instagram guy, he said to her, he said, oh, no, no, no. He said, it's uh, one of two things. He said, either it's dumb luck or he said, it's a situation where you might have seen the ad first and that's what led to the conversation, like kind of a, a mental thing. Gail King, to her credit, she said to him, I think you're wrong. She said, yeah. I think you're listening. I think you're not telling me the truth. And I saw that and I thought, good for you, Gail King. Good for you. Because I absolutely think they listen. And I have told my wife, we are not having any Alexa in our house. Mm -hmm. We are not having any of those bullshit boxes in our house. Because it's been documented that they listen. Sean, I'm not even... I I'm agree. Not, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I swear. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. Nigel, you know this. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I absolutely believe because there have been a lot of stories about this. There was a story about a guy that got a voicemail because somebody that was a friend of his on his Alexa. Yes. Did you hear about this one? Yeah, my wife told me about he it. He got a voicemail because somebody that was on his Alexa call list, they were having a conversation about like wallpaper or something. Mm -hmm. And he got a voicemail of them talking about the wallpaper. And it was because their Alexa box, there was a glitch and it sent the, the recording to him. They absolutely listen. And so you will not see a Google box or an Alexa box or any of that garbage in my house. Alexa was already used to help solve a murder case. There you go. There you go. They absolutely listen. Isn't that amazing well, they, that he just got They've an already Apple got piece? my DNA. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. Guys, thank you all for joining us for uh, the Jesse Ventura show. <laughs> Until next time, we're out.